Commanders, and welcome to episode 309 of Live Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, um, Chief Archivist of Live Station, uh, otherwise known as Colin Ford. And joining me in the Orange Sidewinder Bar for this episode, we have our Inhuman Resources Director, that's uh, Commander Shan. Hello. Hello. We have got our Head of Health and Safety, Commander Adler Weiss, otherwise known as Ben Moss Woodward. We also have joining us our, our, our top inflatable trade negotiator, Mac Winston. Hello. Hello. And of course, we have uh, made, making his debut for, uh, for, for Live Radio, our new tech Lima. That's Commander Hatter, otherwise known as Chris, who, who will stay very quiet. But for those of you who are fans of the Bugle, should now know what to say. Anyway, um, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in game in open. Ben, where are you? Where are you um, hanging out? I was at Live Station, just about to go to the bar, mm-hmm. uh, but then I suddenly realised that my joystick's not working and things like that. So I'm now resurrecting that. So he's busy massaging his joystick. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I'm not hanging going. Out, massaging his joystick. Hanging out, massaging his joystick. Yeah. Um, okay. If you can get to us in game, you can also join us in the Twitch and on Facebook and on YouTube because we we're, we're multi-streaming these days, and you can access most of this through LaveRadio.com/live and click on the live chat, or go to Twitch.tv/LaveRadio or YouTube LaveRadio. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure where we are on Facebook, but um, we'll find out eventually. So, uh, we'll quickly go around the team, see what they've been up to for the last week or so, and we will start off with Ben. I've actually I've had a bloody busy week since last week. Um, on Friday, I got asked if I could join a certain Mr. Kaizen and co-hosts over in over in America land doing Elite Week, which was fine, and that was awesome, and we had a lot of fun. But we wound up talking till about four o'clock in the morning. So I think it was I think it was close to five by the time I actually went to bed. Uh, so that that made for a late night. Um, but. I think that episode came out earlier today, I believe. Or actually, it came out a couple of days ago now, I think. So you're uh, still recovering, really, aren't you? I, honestly, I, I don't know if I should be proud of this or embarrassed. You know, by five, I'd drunk a bottle of wine and about half a bottle of rum. Um, and about a gallon of coffee. So are, uh, you, telling, are you telling me that Kaizen has basically sort of driven you to drink? Staying up that late, it, it seemed essential, basically. Um, but embarrassing, this is what I'm not sure if it's embarrassing or not. By 11 o'clock on Saturday, I was basically fine. I was 100%, I was awake, and I was ready to go again. Um, and I did go again, because straight away on Saturday, I think 
at two o'clock in the afternoon, I went off and was doing um, primetime casuals, some recording with him, where we were preparing a video for some speed bowling. And we had lots of fun. And my, my cutter was at 9% for about an hour. And we were just waiting for it to explode. <laughs> but if anyone's seen any of the videos out there, you know, these guys basically kept crashing into me. Or there was one time when what, uh, somebody in an orca, I think it was, crashed into the camera ship, then did a, and basically pitched up. And I boosted through their ship, and it just exploded all around me, which was quite funny, really. <laughs> um, have you got video ev- evidence of that? There, we have video evidence of all of this, yes. Um, I think I shared some photos on Twitter, because uh, I didn't want to go and steal um, Primetime Casual's thunder by posting some of the videos in public. <laughs> uh, but I have, I have seen some video evidence of all this. Excellent. Including... Okay. You were killed by Ben Moss or by Commander Aid Levice. Nice. Okay, we'll move on to um, to Shan. How have you been this week? I noticed on on Facebook there was a certain purchase. Um, yes, I was very fortunate um, to have managed to obtain a NVIDIA thirty eighty, um, which arrived on Saturday morning. So I've been busy playing everything I've got at 4K, 100 frames per second. Everything maxed out. It it sounds awfully snobby in a way, but when I I play Elite on it, it's just no jagging at all in VR. It's just silky smooth. It's like playing it at 1080 at 4K. So Odyssey, I'm ready for you. I don't care what the specs are now. (laughs) <laughs> come and have a go if you think you're hard enough yeah exactly come on Braden if you're hard enough make my graphics card weak um, but anyway yeah no so I've been really enjoying it it's it's quite impressive actually because it's actually quieter than my 1080 Ti I had because I was a bit worried about the noise because the power requirements are substantially greater and usually as the power requirements go up in a graphics card so there's a noise but uh, the card I've well, got the done with the 1080 with the 3080s is the whole they've done a whole load of thermal redesign, I guess you could say. Yeah, I got I didn't manage to get a founder's card though. I, I kind of wanted uh, the because it looked cool. It looked cool. looks so nice, it does, but um, it was well, apparently the whole box descended on the NVIDIA website and they sold out in 15 seconds because even though it was like you were spamming the F5 whatever, buying out, they were just gone. So it went from um, pre-ordered, 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 hang out of stock, that's what it was wow. on the NVIDIA site. So I got uh, a Zotac one which is which kind of one I kind of wanted in a way because they come with a five-year warranty. So it's always good to have a good long warranty on such an expensive graphics card. And I've had so how, how does that compare to how does the Zotec one compare spec-wise and and so on with the Founders editions? Um, well, it, it's identical apart from you can't overclock it as much. I think it's you can over, overclock out only by five megahertz less than the Founders uh, one. So I don't overclock my graphics cards anyway. Yeah. So you know it's and what about it? It's the same as and everything like that. It's got three fans 
on it, so it hasn't got the cool-looking shroud design. Right. But it's definitely quieter than the Founders one because it has three larger fans that spin slower. Yeah. So even though it's pulling out insane watts, it's it's quieter by 1080. Yeah, um, yeah I'm very pleased with it. Cool. Excellent. Um, so outside of computing, I have I am a, I am a slave to the lawn. I have to go out and water the lawn twice a day for the next two and a half weeks now. So that involves moving the sprinklers around, leaving them on for 45 minutes, then moving them again, then whatever, just to kind of stop the lawn from dying. But uh, So that's going all right. Looking forward to actually being able to walk on it because it's, uh, it's a little like um, one of those, what's, what's the thing, the, the lava game anyway. Um, so you can't really get on the lawn, so you end up having to, like a fishing rod, cast the sprinkler out on the hose pipe, <laughs> hoping it lands in the right place. So, yeah, it's just that sort of thing, really. So I'm, I'm quite glad the break, actually, to go outside and fiddle with the hose pipe. Lovely. Matt? Hello. Yes. Um, I caused a diplomatic incident. Right, a real one. Well, uh, an in-game one. Oh, right. Uh, well, that's fine. So, anyway, this to Manchester or something. This is this is this is actually hot off the presses. This all this only this all this all went down yesterday. So we have uh, EIC. We're involved in several wars, which is not unusual. Anyway, in one of them. Uh, I was in the medium conflict zone with a uh, colleague of mine in the EIC, and we spotted a player in a Corvette who was flying for the opposition. So, uh, we to cut long story short, I mean, he was, uh, his ship wasn't exactly defenseless. This wasn't a gank, let's face it. it. This was a combat ship in a combat situation. Anyway, um, we sent him on the rem- Remlock Ride of Shame. So, um, anyway, his player group then complained to us, what are you doing? Why are you killing our players? We're supposed to be at peace with each other. So we said, well, you were opposing us directly in a conflict zone. Anyway, to cut a long story short, it all got resolved and there was a bit of negotiating and diplomatic and it was like, Okay. Yeah, we you know we said okay, we don't care because it was it actually it's, it turns out to be their home system. So we said okay, we will let you retrieve us from the system because it's an invasion war. There, there's an NPC faction that come in mm-hmm. and was attacking us, and they were flying for the NPC faction, not their own faction. Um, this is what kind of muddied the waters a bit because you don't know you don't know who they if they're not flying if it's not their faction you're fighting with. You don't know who they are necessarily in the heat of battle. Uh, anyway, so it, it all got resolved in the end, and we we say, yeah, we don't want to fight each other. We're both empire groups. We want to advance the cause of the empire, not fight amongst ourselves. So we came up to a mutually agreeable position, and all was well. And so um, I apologise to what's his name, Commander Baron von Noodle, uh, for his unpleasant Remlock ride last night. So there you go. I think I was far too lenient on you, actually. And we uh, now my control, my joysticks just stopped working. Anyway, we uh, we also um, also I've been doing the CGs. Mm. Um, 
which was for the the CG. It was like fifty thousand light seconds from the star. It was an absurd distance away. Well, and of course we're going to, we're going to be talking about the CGs later. So anyway, so I'll hold your powder on that one. Anyway, oh. yeah, I, I will. Subjects of gang. No, I couldn't. I would really love to get my car. So I couldn't get my carriage leg. I had to fly fifty thousand light seconds or however long. Doing a CG again. That was good fun. See, I um, sorry, I keep, I keep using you. Do, sorry. No, I was going to say that they, this other player group, were far too nice to you in sorting this out. I, I, I would have demanded you fill up with um, low temperature diamonds. And demand you blow your ship up three times for penance. Yeah, th- but th- on the other hand, we did blow them up, so they're not necessarily in a position to negotiate that kind of penance because we will just blow them up again. <laughs> if you if you're on the opposing side, if you're in open and you're on the opposing side in a conflict zone, I'm sorry, that's fair game. Oh yeah, that, I mean that's what we said. That's what we said. It was it was fair game. You're opposing us. This is this is why uh, this is why we sent you to the rebuy screen because you're opposing us in force because we've uh, we've lost a day of the conflicts or whatever. Yeah. But um, the the thing is is we really anyway. There there was a lot of there was there was talk. There we came up to a, a settled peaceful solution. So which is good because it means we can combine our efforts to fight the real enemy, which is the Federation. Mm, yes, funny and, you should mention them, and that's exactly what we're doing because uh, we we do actually have a battle with a, a, a Federation uh, faction going on. So we're pooling our resources and putting it into that, but. Yes. Um, and then outside a game, um, yeah, I've been discovering the, the wonders of uh, British Standard Pipe. I, I won't say too much about it, but did you know uh, the sizes on BSP aren't the actual size you get? So a half-inch BS, uh, sorry, a, a quarter-inch BSP fitting actually measures half an inch across, and a three-eighths actually measures five-sixteenths across. It's, it's actually about... Um, uh, it's sorry, three eighths measures seven sixteenths across. It's it's actually a no, not even that five eighths across. It's actually you take the actual physical size and subtract quarter of an inch to get the BSP size. It's really bizarre. It bears no resemblance. It's not even the internal diameter of the pipe. But anyway, there that's you go. so messed up. It's almost American. It's it's a weird old British standard that's still in very common use in hydraulics. So. <laughs> And the other annoying thing about it is every pipe place I went to, they didn't quite sell everything I needed in one place. So I could get most of it from one place, and then I had to go somewhere else to get... Anyway, there you go. That's plumbers in general, though. I've got got all my pipe parts. Most of it's it's like... It's it's actually fuel pipe, but it's, it's the same as it comes from hydraulic supplies places, you know. So anyway, that was my, my brief foray into... <laughs> Um, pipework, Whit- Whit- Whitworth threaded BSP pipework, and because the there's also different threads. There's BSPP, which is parallel thread, and there's BSPT, which is taper thread, and uh, you shouldn't mix them uh, because anyway, Mac, get moving on. <laughs> yeah, <please. laughs> yeah I, I could go on all night about this. So I, I won't. 
uh, threaded threaded pipe work. It's like don't cross the streams. <laughs> <laughs> I was more thinking, let's not go off rails. Oh uh, well, in in other what I've been up to this week is that I have discovered that power play is a lot easier now that I've got my clipper. Um, <laughs> four four big runs to maintain the ranking that I've got, and then I use the rest of the time to build up funds. Uh, I mean the. Thanks to the Imperial stations burning, I, my Imperial rank is now uh, vastly advanced to where it was before, which is is great. So, yes, I'm having trouble with Federation players as well. But then again, in power play, it is to be expected. So, you know, I'm in open, bring it on. <laughs> um, my main character now only has 25% left to get triple elite, which is approximately 400 scouts left. Oh, dear. And uh, yes, for some reason, I did notice um, in Astropia the other day that it was actually getting more and more difficult to get the right um, the right non-human signal source. Before, it's always been, you go to a threat four, take out all the scouts, and away you go. Those particular signal sources seem to be getting rarer. So I don't know if um, FDev have gone and made a little change in the background just to make my life even more difficult to try and get this out of the way before Odyssey or or whether or not I just got unlucky on a couple of nights. So the, the gay... We're 25% to go. So 25% to go. Triple eight next week then, Colin. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> oh, come on. I did it in 30. I did got my elite from competent to elite in 32 hours. Holy well, well, lucky you. Unfortunately, I've got this, this important real life business happening. Which so did I. So did I. Yes. Man well, up oh. and get it done in one job. <laughs> If you had to deal with the bunny problems I had to this weekend, no. Yes, uh, quick bunny update. He got ill again. Um, we discovered that um, something uh, if something scares a rabbit quite badly, it can go into gut stasis, which is basically when the rabbit doesn't eat for 12 hours, it decides, right, that's it. I'd like to die now, please. Uh, because basically his digestive system just stops working. So, Isn't evolution wonderful? I know. So basically, the the rabbit is literally scared shitless. Um, <laughs> yes, let me put it that way. <laughs> the digestive system just stops. Uh, just think, if that was in people, you could make a fortune having to scare weight loss <laughs> diet, couldn't you? You could just like put pictures of Dominic Cummings up, and they go ah, and then they they die. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? You don't eat for 12 hours and then you die? That would get rid of a whole lot of people that... I could, no, let's, let's not go there. This is supposed to be a positive Elite Dangerous broadcast, so let's move on. Anyway, bunny. <laughs> the bunny is fine. We've we've had to hand-feed him over the, over the weekend, which was uh, every two hours, which was a bit of a challenge. But he's now back being his nice, fluffy, bouncy self. So panic over. In the meantime, the development news. What have the devs been saying this week? Well, well, the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to celebrate a birthday. Elite itself, as a brand, is now 36 years old. Um, It was launched on the 20th of September, 1984, for the good old BBC. Uh, Model B. I've got to say the Model B because they... 
I, I can't remember. Was there a BBC Model A? Yes. yes. Oh. Elite wouldn't run on it. Oh, it had that 16K, didn't it? Yeah. And no mode 7? I th- it may... It oh, certainly... No it lacks some of the modes because it doesn't have enough memory. Because like mode zero and mode two take up um, virtually all of 32K. They leave you about 3K of free RAM once you in mode zero or mode two. Yeah, so um, we, do we want to play the, the, the original video? <laughs> because I was, I was watching it the other day and I was just there going, this, this is worse than a cheesy, um, cheesy B-movie trailer. Does anybody, does anybody else see the trailer for it? Um, no, I haven't actually. Not that I remember anyway. <laughs> oh, well, we'll put the link on the show notes and let everybody judge for themselves then. Um, right. In other news, not technically elite, but um, MCV Develop had an interview with David Braben, OBE, uh, about uh, Frontier's Creative Furnace. Now, um, Ben, you've gone into this with uh, great detail. Would you like to give us the too long didn't read? Uh, the TLDR version that is specific to is something that I very strong. David believes in something that I very strongly believe in, which is don't release things to the ready. Um, and, but that is, and the way they tied that in in the interview was, I got the feeling that David was remembering back to, you know, 30 odd years ago when he was making Elite and a certain publisher was like, hey, David, Ian, you know, why don't you go and show us what you're doing? And they've got to actually stop working on the thing to make the bloody thing look nice. Yes. And yeah, I'm sure as you and Shan and anyone as a developer knows, you, it is so critical to get the foundations right, and then you get the fecking UI working. If you just care about the UI, go off and work in sales and marketing and give people a slideshow. <laughs> you know, give them a PowerPoint presentation, they can wank over that and let the developers get on with the real jobs. Or you can actually accept the fact that you're working with developers who actually want to make the real product. Yeah. Um... And yes, you can tell I've been slightly butthurt by this in the past. Yes, have a, have a pill, Ben. Just take a um, chill pill. That'll, that'll be fine. Yeah. It's something that my, oh, one of my, my, my first ever software architect, sort of his mantra was basically make it run, make it right, make it fast. Um, literally went to the stage of we had a fully working enterprise application doing basically complete banking flows and, and financing stuff. But there wasn't a UI for it. If you inserted the right data into the database, you got the right answers out. And it did all the correct stuff in the meantime, in the, behind the scenes. You just didn't have to worry about what it looked like. And that is so true. Uh, and that is so true for, you know, like small indie dev houses where... So long as they get their ideas right, and they get the nurturing of that front, if needed, Frontier can bring along artists and polish it. Polish it. But what you can't do is polish a turd. 
Right. Um, and I, I agree with that very strongly. Um, that piece was tried. I bet someone there's a YouTube video of someone. Well, they, did they, they did it in Mythbusters, and they yeah, and you can actually polish a turd. <laughs> yeah. um, it probably thing- has to be sufficiently firm before you can polish it, though. I mean. Uh, I uh, unfortunately, I, I, my, my cat missed the litter tray tonight, and I think the turd I picked up probably would be quite difficult to polish because it was, while it was relatively firm, it wasn't that firm. Okay, let's let's move on before everybody gets upset. I, I imagine rabbits. Rabbit poo is probably quite easy to polish. The the only advice I can give you is never eat Maltesers next to a rabbit because you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing okay. that surprised me in the is that spoke of experience, Colin. <laughs> no, <laughs> was uh, they also obviously they covered working from home and things like that. And David was saying that they are approaching capacity in their lovely, shiny, massive new building. So, mm-hmm. working from home is working so well for all them at. People who are working in small virtual teams and they don't need to be in the collaborative process, maybe they'll keep them working from home, uh, or at least for a bit longer. Whereas mm. people, obviously, you need to work together, you need to get down and have a good, good old meeting and be all collaboratively and do brainstorming and all that malarkey. Then you maybe want to get them into the office. Um, and I thought that was interesting. You don't need the office to do that, do you? Because I, I remember having collaborative brainstorming, whatever sessions. We used to go to Costa or the pub or... Yes, I mean... If you live closer, because there was no point four of us driving two and a half hours down to Bracknell and two and a half hours back when we both lived sort of half an hour's drive away from each other. So, you know... Yeah, I totally agree there. I mean, I've actually I've joked with my team that what we actually need is once a month, We'll catch up in the local pub for maybe half a day. And essentially that's going to be a half day jolly just to build teamwork together. Um, you know, the actual collaboration that we need to do, 90% of it is sharing. And in some respects, that's actually easier to do sharing a virtual desktop with somebody rather than standing over somebody and breathing in their face, lean, you know, leaning over their shoulder. Mm. Um, Kaizen has, has made a slight correction to what you just said. He sort of says that uh, Frontier prefers to get all the mechanics set and locked about uh, two to three months and leave them themselves about two to three months to make it pretty, which we, which would explain why we never see things early because they are never actually, um, to, you know, you don't want to to show especially this community, you don't want to show them something which isn't half done because then there's so much... They so often don't understand this is just an idea. Yeah. But, yeah, I I like the fact that they they do spend at least two to three months um, taking those core mechanics and polishing it up, which I think is... Yeah, it is the right way to go. I mean, yeah. talking from personal experience anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that's good to know. Anyway, so, um, moving on from there, we now have a competition which was announced by Bruce. 
Um, the Stellar Screenshots competition has uh, come in, and we now have a chance to win unique paint jobs. There's an, an orange one, a green one, a blue one, and yes, there was this wonderful splatter effect over your over your asp. An ice cream one. That's got some made. That's that's that. Uh, yeah, let's let's move away from that one before anyone gets sidetracked. Um, they're going to start showcasing five screenshots every week rather than four, and each commander whose image is featured will receive one of those exclusive paint jobs, which cannot be obtained anywhere else. Dum, uh, dum, dum. Yes, so Cobra Mark IV. Uh, so each month, one of these three unique paint jobs for the Aspect Explorer will be featured, uh, sent to uh, featured commanders, and that's uh, shattered, shattered lava, ice, and acid. Um, Here's a question, Colin, on that, sorry. Um, if you had a unique paint job that could not be gotten anywhere else, mm-hmm. would that encourage you to fly in open? Me? Yeah. Or, or anyone, because you've got a unique paint job. There's no point having it if all you're going to do is fly in solo. Oh, I see. Because you want, no one's ever going to yeah, see it. To show so would that would that make you fly in uh, Probably. Um, but to tell you the truth, you know, you could always just fly in solo and do a lot of posy basking uh, through the external camera and send it off to uh, uh, just to make people jealous. I mean, there's only one unique skin that, no, there's two unique skins that I know of, one of which is flown about by our own Psycho Cow. Uh, and the other one is, I think someone's got a unique REF logo, haven't yes, they? Stephen Usher, I believe. Oh, Mr. Usher, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got that for the Cobra, which actually looks that really, looks so really cool. Yeah. Um, I think there was one other, but is the Medusa one uh, a unique one, or is that actually on the store? I can't remember. I have this vague feeling that there's a there's a, a Medusa design for the Cobra. I can't remember whether it's on the store or not. Uh, well, people have won unique painted jobs before or brought them to charity streams. It's just I don't remember who they were or even seeing pictures of them. But I know for a few years, Frontier said buy a unique paint mm-hmm. job as part of their special charity drive. So I'm sure it's more than uh, Steve Nash's and Cal's. Yeah. I'm sure there's more out there. I just don't recall seeing them. Right. Well, to qualify for a seller screenshot, entries must, one, include the exact commander name of the account from which the screenshot was taken. Two, be posted in the current week's stellar screenshots threads on either Twitter, Facebook, or the forums. If posted on Twitter separately, please use the hashtag Hashtag Stella Screenshots. Uh, be in 69 aspect ratio with a minimum resolution of 1920 by 1080. Or if you want to, what's the maximum one you can do then, Sean? Uh, well, I've got two 4K screens, so it's where the two lots of 4K Can you not do an 8K one then? If you do a high resolution image. The thing is, to make 8K worth it, you have to have a screen about five feet away to notice any difference. You know the 8K images you can get? If You know how you can make the high-resolution screenshots in Elite Dangerous, yeah, Shan? I thought that would change, because you have to do it in BMP, and you could do it um, up to 
16k, couldn't you? Yeah. At some point, when you when you press a high res, and I thought they'd stop that and make uh, you can reduce the resolution. You can only do it in solo. If you want the super high res, you've got to go into solo and take a photo there. They can't. They they don't let you do it in open or private because basically it's it slows everything down. It screws the networking up. Probably haven't done that for ages. <laughs> to get that screenshot because you're gonna have to find out now aren't you Shav? well no because i don't want to fill my disc up with oh come on you know files you that... just to see how big it is you know you need to at least do it once i know how big it is <laughs> is it bigger than a bigger british standard pipe <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, right. Uh, and Ben, I do believe you've already made some entries for this week. I went off and... I've been thinking about doing it for a while, but I went off and I submitted a couple of my older images that I've had lurking around. Just Yeah, I, I've, I've made a couple, a couple of nice images. I'm nowhere near as good as any of the guys in SPVFA, but there are a few photos I've done that I'm proud of. Excellent. Right, well... That's it for all the development news for the moment. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll get some more. Um, I do know in the streams that Arthur and Stephen were were hinting that the latest Dev Diary is still in editing, um, and they will let us know when it's available as soon as possible. Um, and they do have touched on the subject that it will include station interiors, which I must admit I'm looking forward to. So, the actual in-games events. What has been happening in the world or the galaxy of Elite Dangerous this week? Well, uh, first of all, uh, we've had CGs, which started this Thursday and finished on Saturday night. Um, they have all been completely successful, uh, and now 10 new systems will be arrive arriving sometime in the beginning of October. So um, we'll be going into more a, a deep dive on this later on. So. Um, Moving on from there, we've got the Federal Storyline. Now, now, that has taken um, a little bit of a back burner compared to what's happening in the Empire at the moment, but it does seem that an arrest of a technician has taken place who was in charge of Starship One's jump drive. Um, what's everybody's opinion? Do you think that he's... Uh, They've got their man, or do you think this this was this first name Patsy? <laughs> <laughs> I think his first Patsy. name might have been Patsy, and yeah. In in actual facts, I mean, do, do you want to say what the children of Laxor have been mentioning, or shall, or shall I bring it up, Colin? Or uh, no, I will read it out. The children of Raxler, uh have uh, them who are. Uh, who are still in mourning of their of their great Salome, um, have put out a message. Oh, great which, Salami, oh, how we miss you. You were excellent in, in sandwiches, possibly <laughs> with a bit of cheese. Unfortunately, Harry Potter didn't miss her, which was a bit of a problem. But anyway, um, the tragedy of Starflight 1's destruction set in events... It's Starship 1. Starship One's destruction set events in motion that still haunts us today. It's prudent to continue this investigation rather than shut it down completely, as it was the case in early 3302. However, the final inquiry report needs to be made public. 
Every decent pilot is taught to make their pre-flight checks, and when transporting a federal president, it must be assumed they double and triple check everything. It's hard to believe the pilots would oversee an illegal FSD modification unless told to look elsewhere. Finding a mid-level culprit thrown under the bus by colleagues is too much of a cliché, really. We encourage our friends to put pressure on these institutions. This must be made public. Force their hands. So, um, yes, this is... I, I'd say it's, it's definitely inspired by uh, a certain B5. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't Starship 1 the ship that got blown, the presidential ship that got blown up in B5 as well? It was, yeah, same. So, uh, <laughs> B five is isn't it called uh, Earth Earth Force One? Oh, it was that's right, Earth Force One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yes, it does seem that um, things things seem to be less than clear on the federal side, uh, and of course, nothing news happened there. Um, however, on the Imperial storyline, things have kind of kind of progressed a little bit um, basically uh, the deceased mad Prince Harold will be bur- buried in the Hall of Martyrs and the blue-haired princess was in quotes uncharacteristically distressed when addressing the media about the loss of her father um, I must admit there's an awful lot of people on, on my Discord are there going well it is a blue wig isn't it <laughs> and there was a nice obituary uh, piece for uh, Prince Harold Duval. Um Turned out that uh, he didn't want to be a straight shooter like his dad, so he went out and basically got wasted. So, yes, a party prince. So, um, what, what's your... Guys, what's your impression of these storylines? Are, are you interested in actually following them? Which one's going to be most profitable? That's the question. Spoken out of my mouth, my own heart. Oh, surely, Mac, being a, um, flying for an imperial faction, surely you're more interested to see what's happening on the, on the upper echelons of the empire. Oh, yes, but we still... The, the most important question is, of course, from the East India Company's point of view, is which one's going to be most profitable? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with that. I mean, if, if I could uh, sell the emperor into slavery for enough credits, I would do it. You know, it's kind of like, well, anything for a buck, really. Uh, I've got a strange feeling you'd have to have um, a seduction plus 20 to have uh, any chance of, of uh, managing to pull that one off. Well, real fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Is it gilf, then? Milf. No, because I... She's a grand. Isn't she a grand? I can't remember. Anyway, no, no, that's... that's um, no, the, 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 the emperor's the milf, isn't he? The, uh, the old lady isn't the emperor. You're, you're, thinking, you're thinking of Zemina Torval. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, as far as the story... The storylines will progress, and of course, we'll keep everybody up to date. And of course, um, for a more in-depth look, we do have uh, the Galnet News Digest, which happens at the end of um, 
at every live radio broadcast that brings a unique perspective um, to the goings-on in the galaxy brought by Commander Witherspoon. Um, there was no newsletter this week, but we did see there was some quite nice new Cobra Mark III skins. It's been a while since we've had Cobra Mark III skins. Uh, All right, Cobra Mark IV skins. And again, we have to move on from that one. We put that. We did that joke to death last week. So <laughs> no, there's, there's, you need some skin in the game, Colin. You've already broken Mac. Anyway, uh, <laughs> just can't cut it these days. <sighs> oh no! Right. Um, <laughs> so we'd like to take a quick break, and we will come back to. Uh, with to you with uh, our main discussion this uh, this week, which will be uh, about the community goals that have happened. Your ship is a miracle of engineering, capable of handling the most intense situations, but with no sound in a vacuum. How do you keep up with your ship? Introducing Simulated Sound, where your ship recreates the sound of battle so no vital signal is lost to the vacuum. But wait! Why be stuck with the sounds of death and destruction? We offer alternative sound effects for all encounters. Activating cargo dump. Change the sound of battle with our choice of audio packs. Why not feel sexy in battle? Installing sound pack. Or go for a cute farmyard scene. Or even our classy stress reliever. Impact in five, four, three, two, one. New Stroudbury Sound Packs, changing the sound of battle. Public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. One, fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. Two, note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. Three, if you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. Four, Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. Five, stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions?
choose life, choose a shit, choose a career, choose a cargo, choose a f***ing big shit, choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers. Choose good health, low cholesterol and ship insurance. Choose fixed interest, loan repayments. Choose a space station. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a paint job and higher purchase and a range of f***ing colours. Choose decals, exploration and wondering where the f*** you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing f***ing junk food in your mouth and choose rotting away at the end of it all pissing your last in the void with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space until some f***er comes along to steal your ship, your cargo and your clothes leaving your bones floating out in space choose your future choose life but why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? Welcome back. Um, now, as we are all aware, the community goals came back this week and they were incredibly popular. So popular, in fact, they finished very, very quickly. Uh, so much so, I never have the chance to actually get hold of doing any runs. Um, I think, Ben, you're the same. Yeah, I'm exactly the same because yeah. of being crazy busy Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was like, right. Sunday, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do the damn CG. And I logged on on Sunday. I even, I went off and I was like, hang on, where's the CG? I can't see it in the community goals in other locations. Oh, well, I'm sure it'll be fine. I went off and I bought some bro light or whatever it were, headed off to the hand in place. It's like, it's really not there, is it? And that's when I went off and asked in Twitter, in Discord saying, uh, guys, what happened to the CGs? And they're like, yeah, it finished about you know, early this morning. I was like, oh, shit. Mm. Shan, did you have a chance to try? Uh, I didn't know. Uh, as like, uh, like Ben, I thought I'll give it a go a bit later on, and by the time later on came along, it finished. Uh, but to be honest, I think it's a good thing it finished quickly. Okay. Um, just quickly, why? Well, because it shows how desperately people have been missing them and you know if it like dragged on or failed or no one did it mm. and i front here i'd be looking and thinking i oh, would call the effort in and no one's doing it or whatever but the fact is over so quickly shows and is an interest in these community goals continuing yeah, yeah that's a that's a very good point so that just leaves mac <laughs> you're the only one of us who managed to get to the the cg how did you find it yeah, I missed the first one, the Bromelite one, because it was already finished by the time I started. But the second one, probably in, owing to the station being about 40,000 light seconds from the jump-in point, uh, was still going. So I did a few runs on that. And 
it was it was kind of it's kind of nice being i think there was a lot of pent-up demand i looked at the traffic report now normally you look at the traffic report in the cg system you'll see about eight or nine thousand ships per day but there were fourteen thousand and this is this is a cg where the fourteen station fourteen thousand this is a cg where the station is like seconds away yeah, uh, and probably the other one was probably had even more particip- participants because it wasn't such a long transit time from the start to the uh, or the jumping point. There was an awful lot of fleet carriers as well. I, I'm sure every single one of them were selling the CG, whatever the CG good was. Uh, but I would imagine it was like a horde of locusts and they were probably stripped clean in in very short order. Uh, and so, uh, and, and because the system was full, the fleet carriers, I, I don't think the fleet carriers probably made that much of a difference, but I know they made some because you'd, you'd have some close in to the actual station. Uh, it, yeah, it's kind of the usual thing with CGs. There was uh, a bunch of traders flying through there, and of course there were the usual gankers. And of course on the 40,000 light second one, uh, the gankers have a bit of a... It's a bit of a paradise then because nobody wants to high wake out because you've got to start all the way. You know, if, if, if you pull someone over uh, mm-hmm. when they're 300 light seconds from the station and they've already traveled 40 odd thousand, they're not going to be very keen on high waking because they've got to start it all over again. So um, I should imagine the gankers were having a bit of a field day. Uh, they certainly pulled me over a few times, but I sort of just farted in their general direction and continues because well like always they seem to have a brain cell deficiency some of them uh the same guy pulled me over three times failed to make any impression on my highly engineered 8a prismatic shields and shield boosters and of course because they weren't in a cutter they couldn't mass lock me uh, and you'd think after the third time of trying it, they'd probably give up and try someone else because they would they were noticing they weren't really <laughs> doing much. But no, they kept on at it. So I do have to question some of these people's no, don't question them at all. brain cells. I don't question them at all. In fact, encourage it. Because basically, every time one of these people who are who cannot scratch your cutter goes after you, they're not, yeah, they're not after someone who they will blow in up. In a Type 6, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, but there you go. It was, uh, I did I did consider FA offing and turning around and, and maybe firing my rail guns at them once or twice. Actually, I think next time what I'll do is I'll, I'll put some Grom bombs in and then reset the frameshift drives and leave. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, <laughs> No, do it. That could be good fun. Yeah, I mean, I must, I must admit, um, this is one of the things that we wanted to talk about. Is that um, it had been noticed that as soon as the CG started, um, the complaints against uh, griefers and seal clubbers uh, basically went through the roof on the forums, just like it used to. And it's opened. Oh yes, it's opened up the good old um, uh, debate about whether or not. CGs should be open only or private or you know the the, the whole rigmarole of that again um <laughs> it's a, is it is it a case of um people are just blowing up traders because it's fun i mean cuz 
I'm not quite so sure. I don't think anybody actually role play a, a pirate. I don't think yeah, they're called that. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't encounter anybody role playing pirates. They, they do. They do show up at CGs. I mean, I've had that before. Where somebody's gone, ah, oh, give me some of your cargo, kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, these were just they'd straight up interdict you. They wouldn't say a word, and they'd start shooting. Uh, that was my experience, anyway. Um, although, it, I just, I as I said, I just generally farted in the direction and left, or had type of message. And I'm like, you know, remember that scene from Red Dwarf where the cat sort of looks over his shoulders and goes, so long, suckers. Yeah, um, something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, generally my experience was they just opened fire and that was it. There was no role play. I mean, in some CGs that happens anyway when there is a, because there might be people opposed to the CG. Uh, but yeah. in this one, yeah, because the, the one might be for the Federation, there might be one somewhere else for the Empire or whatever. So you, you get, imperial you know people aligned to imperial powers or show up at the federation one and cause trouble and vice versa but this one wasn't really like that it was it was it was pretty much a goal anyone could could get behind so yeah it's yeah, basically it people causing trouble yeah yeah um i mean we've been over the whole grief seal clubber issue so many times does anybody do we have anything new to say about it is it is it just the usual? Oh. Yeah, if you don't, you know, you don't have to play with them if you don't want to. Yeah, as well, I mean, you know. Yeah, so that's why that's why the solo and the private modes are there. Um, the, and even now, with if you if you switch on the the chat into the system view, you still get the chat from all three uh, modes. So, yep. you still get that sense of community going on. But, it's even more fun. You can actually torment the the seal clubbers from safety. I mean, I must admit, I, there there is a little trick that I do is, which is that's when uh, I bring out the um, the really fast ship I've got, and sure enough, I will get interdicted on on purpose, and then just outrun them, and and they they don't like that. They just, they, they don't like that at all. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've probably just painted a massive target on my back now for the next one. So oh, if you haven't, I'm sure we can paint one for you. <laughs> oh, um, the the smiling dog crew once did put a bounty on my head. Oh, did they? This was a few years ago, though. I said something. I said something unpleasant about them in the. Or was it the Colonia when Colonia was new? And oh, anyway. right, the, the colonial news thing that you that's you did. No, it was something. It was something in Discord. I think it was. Uh, it was. It was a whole thing. The whole thing about the CCN, and I think I said something unpleasant about them in the Discord, and they not not actually to them, but somebody leaked. <laughs> <laughs> and, Oh, you should uh, hear what Max said about you. Yeah, somebody, it was because it was it was in like yeah, I can't remember. Oh yeah, it was in the Galcop Discord, and somebody leaked it. Uh, and anyway, they posted a bounty on Reddit. And the first thing I knew about it was somebody from EIC said, "Oh, we, we, do, you, do you need some protection?" I said, "What? What? I don't know. What, why would I need protection?" And they pointed me to this Reddit message. I thought, "Oh, right, okay." Um. But anyway, nobody came and collected. 
even though there was there was actually somebody from the SDC who was an XEIC member who was on my friends list still, so they knew where I was, but nobody collected. Right, gotcha. Um, is this, what's Mark, going? Oh, come on, ben. if there's bounty still alive, <laughs> I don't know. Does, it, does the SDC still are they still actually in game? That's the thing. That's what I was going to ask because I haven't heard from them in ages, to be honest. I have. I certainly haven't seen the usual Potter-esque stuff. No, I think. I think you still post on Reddit. Right? They're in, no, they're playing Star Citizen, I believe. Sorry. Oh, so they they buggered off to a different universe then? Yeah, because if you wanted, I could go and you know I don't mind shooting you just now, yeah, in my fighter, and you know, and then I'll claim that bounty. <laughs> I mean, with the ganking thing, it's in- inevitable in every single game I've ever played that has a, a an open world PvP. There are always gankers. Yeah. They um, are. So uh, I, I've often said that I don't think open mode should be called open at all. It should be called um, free for all PvP because that is what it is. Open sort of implies, oh, we're going open, everyone's happy and everyone's open and stuff like that. No, it's free for all PvP. And anyone who goes into open should expect to be destroyed, ganked, or otherwise abused. But it's free for all PvP. Yes. Kai Zen News says that you and Ben, you'll have to collect the bounty from Star Citizen because uh, that's where they all are. Or. At the moment, Procedure is playing non-consensual PvP in Dual Universe. So, <laughs> mind you, you first managed to got to claim the bounty first, and that that should be interesting to watch. Can we can we all watch and just watch as Ben just bounces off these these uh, shields? Because I think that'll be quite amusing. But anyway, the community goals. Although they did finish quickly, and, and um, uh, Sean made an excellent point that it shows the demand for this kind of content. Um, do you think there's anything that can be done to help balance them out so that, you know, us oldies who finally get some time at the weekend don't find them all completely gone? It's difficult because they've been gone for so long. Where do you put the stake in the ground? Do you make it? Yeah, they had to start off somewhere, and quite clear, clearly, this time round the bar was set too low. So next time, I would hope they'd put the bar higher. But as you say, you've got no idea really to set the the, the where the levels are. So you just have to kind of do your best and hope people enjoy it. Yeah. What ben? really surprised me though, was in last Thursday's stream. Arthur said they were going to be testing all this out and tweaking and figures weren't, weren't set in stone, etc. Now, I would have thought, given that they know that we've yeah, a lot of people have now got access to fleet carriers, mm-hmm. given that it's the first CG in ages, you'd have set the bar crazy fecking high. You would have thought so. But from what I understand, and maybe Mac can confirm this, the bar was actually set to be on the low side. Probably. But on the other hand, an awful lot of... It it was... I think there's a lot of pent-up demand for 
just the whole... That's why, you know, if you expect, let's say, sake of argument, you're expecting the whole community to deliver a thousand tons. You know, that's what you think, but you go off and you set it up by an order of magnitude higher, maybe even two orders of magnitude. And if it comes around on Thursday evening, on Wednesday evening or something like that, you know, 24 hours before, and we've only up to tier three, then you go off and say, hey, you know what? Whoops-a-daisy, scale it down again. Whereas yeah. now they don't know how many we're going to get. Yeah, I must admit, Arthur did say that um, they are going to start tweaking it. There's going to be a couple of experiments or something like that, just to, just to see how how these things fly. And to tell you the truth, um, yeah, I mean, Witherspoon has made the point that they're, they're towards the end of the time the CGs were, were there, some of them weren't all that popular. People had got tired of CGs, and I don't know whether or not they would have used that as the basis I think, well, it also depends on the, as I was saying earlier, this, this was not a, because often you have a CG, which is for a specific, it's kind of a specific factions thing. I mean, there are some, there are some exceptions like the, the stuff that around Lave wasn't really a specific, um, you know, it wasn't Alliance, Fed or Empire. And, but, uh, but a lot of them are. So you tend to, People who fly for them, to, you know, if there's one that's happening in Imperial space for some Imperial goal, you're not going to get too many Federation types doing it. No, you're, um, but, you're not. But this particular CG was, was entirely neutral, so it's something that absolutely everybody would, who wanted to do a CG would participate in. So that, along with the pent-up demand, would likely... As I said, the 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 ship the the traffic report there was something like fourteen thousand ships when I looked at that, um, which was you know e- even though CGs normally have you know it's usually several thousand. It's uh, it's been a long time since I've seen uh, a traffic report quite that high. Um, but it, yeah, I think that when there was that there was CG fatigue around, there was there was a whole load of stuff to do with the Thargoid story when it was literally back-to-back-to-back-to-back yeah. back 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 CGs. I think they backed off them a bit, and the, the, towards, the, towards the end of the start of this year, it was at a, at a more, you know, with the, um, what were they called? The, uh, I can't remember what they're called, the, 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 the initi- Interstellar Initiatives, that was it. They were, they were coming through at a rate that was a, not quite as fatiguing. And they were linked together in a bit more of a coherent storyline. So they were quite well attended as well. Yeah, I, I know exactly the point when the CGs for the Thargo storyline went. And that's because there was, um, we had, in order to um, research new weapons, we had to get Thargoid samples. And the limpets that they, the new limpets that they supplied weren't working properly. There was a bug in the code. So basically, they just said, "Okay, no, no, it passes." Uh, and I think from that point on, it felt like CGs were weren't worth it because we passed it. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. When did CGs kind of lose their shine? I think for me, I, I used to enjoy the bounty CGs because, oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, you earn a few million out of it, and it was 
it was fun enough to earn a few million. I would probably personally put my finger when mining took off mm-hmm. as a source of income because that so obliterated everything else for time spent. It just kind of took the shine off the whole CGs because yeah. why, why would I be shooting ships or hauling this for some made-up story that doesn't really fit in with anything else when I could be mining for 300 million credits an hour? Yeah. Well, I must admit, when you go back to the interstellar initiatives, I like them because there was a nice little bit of content that, that, that was all you know, packaged up together and all linked together, it seemed to make sense to me. Uh, and it, I, did, I did find that the interstellar initiatives were, were um, far more engaging than just the single CGs as they were. didn't really notice a difference between CGs and interstellar initiatives, really. It, it just, I don't know. I think on paper... The Incel Initiatives sounded a great idea, and I think I remember saying so at the time. Yeah, how they could, mm-hmm. how they could work, and how they could be more dynamic. But I don't know. I just think somehow they missed a trick somehow with them. For me personally, I don't know. I think I think for the first one, um, they were learning. For the second Thargoid one, they put in some real nice surprises. Uh, and I do think by the third and the fourth one, they were really getting into their stride. And the fact that when they ended, uh, and when they ended and that was when CGs got switched off, it just feels like, it felt like uh, you were just getting going then. And that that's when I actually felt the loss of him at that point. I do, I do feel that uh, they were onto a winner there. And... Well, I'm hoping that, you know, these storylines that Arthur were, was trying to, um, was, was, was promoting, uh, and the live stream a couple of weeks ago. I'm really hoping that this, this catches the same feel. Well, however, one of the things that I, I do want to talk about, uh, I'm very interested to get your opinions of was that, um, one of the, the reasons that they say that the community goal finished too quickly was because of fleet carriers. Now, do you think fleet carriers should be kind of banned from CG systems? How would you stop them from a law perspective? Well, no, I'm not talking from law. I'm just talking from for um, for gameplay. Yeah, for what reason? What's the MacGuffin they would use to ban cheap carriers? Would they just have a big red traffic light? Saying, yeah, if you're like, like a weight limit going over a bridge, you know, oh, you're too heavy to jump into this system right now. You <laughs> often say something like, you know, due to congestion in the system, we're not allowing mega ships to visit us for the time being. And what if your ship was already there? Does it get kicked out? I would say if your ship's already there, assuming that the, it wasn't telegraphed in some way. I think fair play to you, and you got lucky. But I wouldn't allow new ships coming in. Mm. I just think they should design them to work with fleet carriers and actually enhance the use of fleet carriers. I don't think fleet fleet carriers will make a difference, but not like orders of magnitude difference. Because don't forget, you've still got to load the fleet carrier with the stuff in the first place that takes time. 
and you've still got to unload it. So if you ban it from the system, all they'll do is they'll get parked one system across instead of actually in the system. And it, and unless you've got like the old 40,000 40, light seconds transit, it won't actually make that much of a difference whether it's the fleet carriers in the same system or whether it's next door. It might, might make a, you know, a couple of minutes a trip, but that's about it. Um, but if you design, but even so, uh, you know, it, it saves the people who's buying from fleet carriers a couple of minutes a trip, but somebody has had to load that, somebody's had to spend that time loading the fleet carrier as well. So overall, it's probably not going to make that much of a difference. Just just size it, just try and size it appropriately. Just assume they're going to be fleet carriers there, fully loaded with whatever good it is the CG wants, and size the CG appropriately. Encourage the fleet carriers there, because it's a way... It's another, acti- it's another activity that you know the fleet carrier owners can do. They can... You know, go into competition selling whatever it is the CG demands. So they're they're also it also adds another thing to the CG other than just moving the cargo from system A to system B. You've also got fleet carrier owners playing their trade as well. So you keep them in. Just size, just size the just size the CG appropriately, and and off you go. Okay, um, Ben. I think there is one reason to not allow fleet carriers in the system, or at least not allow new ones, mm-hmm. and that is, at the moment, if there is a shitload of fleet carriers in a system, good luck trying to get into supercruise. Well, so- they have actually limited fleet carriers. The, the CG system was actually full up, because uh, I tried to get my fleet carrier in there, and it wouldn't let me. Yeah, but I know there was a couple of times left. I didn't obviously try it with fleet carriers this time around, but I know I did something recently where I think it was the oh, it was the rescuing the community, the doing the firefighting stuff Mm -hmm. and rescuing um, civilians from the burning stations, and it was hit and miss during peak hours, whether I'd be able to get out of the burning stations instance to get over to the rescue ship. Um, and from what I understand, that is largely down to the number of fleet carriers in the, in the area. Sorry, Max, say that again. Sorry, I think we, we both spoke about this. I think that's that's more of a bug that needs to be fixed than just yeah. simply banning fleet carriers from system from whatever events going on. They just need to fix needs to fix it. That's all. I agree. I agree that it should be better to be fixed. Mm. Colin, what were you saying? Well, exactly. I'm saying surely isn't that one of those move adder errors that you get was when you have orange sidewinders. Is it? Is it the orange sidewinder? That's what I was getting. It could be the, the Frontier just having a laugh at my expense, and every error I ever get is an orange sidewinder. Yeah, actually, knowing <laughs> knowing some Frontier people, they, they they might be having a little bit of a dig. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I was getting the uh, when fleet carriers launched. It was it was black adder. I was getting. You're getting the black adder, were you? Yeah. Oh. 
Well, apart from joining the 20 minuters. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, are we, were we all glad to actually see the community goals back? Yes. Yeah, I, I was, yeah. yeah. So, uh, now here's the, here's the big question that I'm, I've just put it in to be controversial. There was a lot of um, people crying on the forums to say that they demand... You you know the type that this will be. They 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 demand that all the uh, CGs become open only. Let, let's have a quick think of that. <laughs> I'm for no. Anybody else? I'm actually. I'd be all right with all BGS manipulation activities be open only. Yeah, I'd go with that. Anything that anything that can be hostile against player assets, as it were, so um, BGS actions and power play should be open only. But the community goals, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, uh, go on, Sean. No, I was going to go along with the thought that anything that affects a BGS in a CG should only count. In open, in open. because it's just too easy to manipulate then. So, but if you want the credits and they want the fun of joining in, then they can do that in private groups of solo. Just that if they want to uh, play the BGS, then you should do it in open. I, I think that's fair enough, personally. I mean, it's funny <laughs> that everybody should mention that because basically, we've, we've, as power players, have been crying out for some form of open only. Uh, play for for oh god, it must be about three four years. Now. Yeah, I'd be I'd be less against that if they decoupled power play modules uh, from power play. Oh well, I'd, I'd say that's that's an interesting point. However, you can have a hybrid model where part of power play is this. I think this idea is mostly. Um, Agreed, believe it or not, with the power play community that you can have some parts, some actions in power play can be done in any mode. So people can earn their merits and uh, basically, uh, you know, get that equipment without having to go in, into open. But the two main parts, which would be an expansion and uh, a, a control, those actions have to be done in open because basically they're the ones that really, really count. So it's, it's a kind of a halfway house, but it actually sorts out a lot of um, the issues that we've had in the past. Mind you, there's still the fifth columning issue for uh, the preparation stage. And yeah, there's going to be... It really needed the changes that Sandro proposed in order to sort that one out. And like I said, ever since that post come out, nothing new's happened in power play. And whenever we've asked Frontier about power play, they're very, very quiet. So make of that what you will. So that's, um, I guess that's everything from uh, the main discussion. Um, moving on to the community corner. Now, uh, we have the Colonial Express uh, which is happening 
the new pilots initiative are pleased to announce the second round trip to Colonia aboard the Petronas fleet carrier. Um, due to the tritium buff, its effectiveness means they don't need as much, but they are planning on stockpiling as much as possible in order to help uh, fleet carriers stranded out in uh, Colonia. So donations of tritium and painite will of course be accepted uh, by anybody who'd like to um, uh, to join this. Uh, it is actually free. You don't actually have to donate, but it, it, it's nice to be able to donate. And the Col- Colonial Express will be leaving. Where from, Ben? It's leaving from Meliai. Meliai. There we go. Uh, that will be released. Mac, according to the pronunciation guide for Sagai, how do you pronounce it? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look at the pronunciation guide. Was it <laughs> Meliai? That's that's what we're doing. M E L I A E. Meliai. That sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, Meliai is what I think. Pardon, Chad. It could be throat throat wobbler mangrove, of course. No, so can I have a valve with that, Bob? Please. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is a few dollars. You've managed to mash two uh, well-known daytime quizzes in one there, because Bob was never on Countdown. He was only on Blockbusters. (laughs) See, I am not that sad to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Anyway, um, the Colonial Express will be leaving Melii on the 13th of November and arriving in Colonia on the 15th of November. And she'll be returning back to the bubble on the 18th of December uh, and hopefully getting back on about the 20th. So, so how many jumps is that? I'm just trying to work out whether it's going to be jumping 24 by 7 every 15 minutes. It can't be, um, I don't think. Um, it on the, yeah? I'm just it leaves on the 13th and arrives on the 15th, so that's 48 hours. Or you can do... You can do what um, five hundred light years every let's say hundred light years every twenty minutes. So that's fifteen hundred light years an hour, and it's twenty six hundred twenty six thousand light years to Colonia, and they've got forty eight hours to do it. So no, they are allowing themselves some sleep. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, it's, it's amazing that these people are providing a, a, a free service. Um, there's no exact way to know how many people were on the first trip, but Commander Lewis of Fredrol guesstimates there were hundreds of people that used the fleet carrier going by the direct communication from commanders and messages of thanks. So, um, I just wonder, sorry, Colin, for you, I just wonder if that would feel a bit like the maiden voyage of the Titanic. You know, you're going on on the fleet carrier <laughs> to close on its maiden voyage. What could possibly go wrong? Reminds me of when you visit the uh, visit Belfast and you you visit the Titanic Museum. <laughs> They're so proud that they built it, but <laughs> they don't talk about what happens to it. Well, it wasn't their fault. Is it? No, but. As they say, oh, it was fine when it left. <laughs> in other words, uh, in other news, right? Galnet newsfeed and Discord bot. Uh, Commander Skelius has created a bot to share the Frontiers Galnet's newsfeed with Discord servers. 
it also has the ability to search through all the past articles that are available. That's useful. It's very useful. Um, I was playing around with this earlier today, and basically it's got articles going back to June 30... Uh, sorry, January 3301. Um, but it doesn't have any of... There's nothing from 3300, because that's when Frontier went off and if you were missing the first... Yeah, the first um, from the existing system, and no idea if anything will come of this. And if there is anyone from Frontier Community Stream listening, I did send Community at Frontier an email saying, "Hey guys, is there any chance you'd be able to add these old Garnet articles in?" It's kind of directly relevant because in the first couple of months of um, of the Garnet articles. They were actually talking about the Mad Emperor, or the, sorry, his, well, uh, the Mad Brother, and the Emperor was getting poorly and things like that. So that's all. That's all stuff that happened in thirty three hundred, which isn't in Galnet News as we currently have it. Uh, but you can see it on the Elite Dangerous wiki pages. Yeah, that's that's uh, good. I, and I, also I... Get back in. Yeah. Um, well, just to a little tangent here, because I've seen some things come up on the chat. Um, oh, by the way, Commander Plate is raiding us with uh, a party of 21. Hi, uh, Plate! Yeah. It's, it's good to see Commander Plate. Uh, um, if anybody would like to check I'm, out. I'm his- delighted to hear his conquest. Of, well, his, his. I don't say conquest over Thargoid Cancer, but I'm glad that, that the Thargoid Cancer is. Under control for the moment. Under control, and as I think I, I, I mentioned, I, w- I watched his uh, vlog the other day, and yeah, it sounds like that hospital just absolutely sucked. Flux sucks as well, and what you had sounds even worse. Yeah, um, just to take, just to say a, a slight. Yeah, tangent here. Um, the chat room are all compla- uh, saying about the, the there might have been um, the, the ship still, the Titanic still sank. The the thing, the reason it has been proven. I think it was a documentary with uh, what was the, the the Terminator director was it James Cameron because he's a mm-hmm. big fan of the, the all these like, he, he likes it, yeah. Yeah, um, they managed to prove that it was actually the design of the so-called unsinkable system. They they forgot that basically when water goes into one of these containers, uh, when these compartments, the water filled up, and then it filled up over into the next one. They didn't actually have a sealed compartment on top, so basically it was just like filling up one bottle bucket, and then it moved on to the next one, and then bump, it went down. If the system had worked as it was supposed to, there's no way that the holes that big would have sunk the whole ship. It should have been able to survive. But back to back to community news. Um, yes, there is a new Elite Dangerous animation series um, called the Commonwealth Bounty Hunters Official. Uh, the yeah, the Commonwealth Bounty Hunters. Um, it's 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 basically um, how should how should we describe? Is it a machine mashima? What was that, Ben? That was too fast. Machinima. Machinima is what I'd call it, yeah. Yeah. Um, They've done some very nice 
um, integration with official Frontier Odyssey trailers uh, with their own animation to, to create an interesting little story. Now, this is done by um, Dreadnought301. Um, uh, we'll also supply the, the link in the show notes. Um, he, uh, <laughs> this, this gentleman shares a, an old interest of mine because basically we're both fans of uh, the old iWar series. So, um, yes, it's it's based on some uh, fan fiction that he's, that he's done and they've decided to animate it, which, and it, I don't know, for, for a first attempt, I thought it looked quite good. I mean, Turgeon, Turgeon Travels uses a similar technology, um, but I think they've got a lot more practice. I might be wrong here, but I think he might be a friend of Commander Machine as well. Um, or at least looking at the comment, machines. M- machine has made comments on his video. So I don't know if they're friends or not, or if he just found it. But yeah. So yeah, that, that's really, really good. Um, uh, good fan work there. I, I, I hope to see more of it. Uh, yeah, more, more of this, please. Yeah, more of this, please. Um, right. Now I'm going to move on to. Uh, um, any other business? Now, as you, as you know, we are, we are quite friends with these the fellows over at uh, Spider-Man Games, um, but they've got a new Kickstarter out. It's called Ice Dice. Have you have you seen have you seen this Ice Dice? Oh, this is this is what they were mentioning during their LaveCon stream, and it's like you know bef- before we had all this lockdown malarkey. And when you could maybe have friends, assuming you had real life friends, <laughs> then you could, you could, you know, theoretically, you could get some, you know, maybe while you're playing some elite encounters, because that would be really appropriate, I think. <laughs> you could play some elite encounters and use some mice dice. Although they were slightly not quite pathetic, because I was looking at the diagram of the ice dice. And there's room there for seven die, not six. <coughs> so if they'd been prophetic, they would only have six dice in the pot because then you could have one each. Now it's like the after A's, who takes the last dice? Yes. Oh, I see. So you're normally used to having six people at a party. Well, you're only allowed six people at a party, aren't you? Well, you, you, you should never just split the party. No, no, I get what you eat the COVID thing. You're only allowed six I know, people. I know. Sorry, I, I I missed that one. <laughs> anyway, um, Ben, would you like to talk about uh, Commander Yannick and the Apollo Eleven reunion? Uh, I don't know, y- Yannick. If you're listening, he was saying he was going to pop in, um, and he hasn't shown up yet. So I'm deliberately giving him a chance, if he's listening live, for him to come down. Um, Hint, hint. (laughs) Hint, hint, hint. I think one of the great things about Ice Dice is they're currently at 81,840 of their £4,000 goal. Again. (laughs) You know, I think think it's been funded already. Yeah. Apparently, Dice made out of ice or made out of frozen water anyway I what I would actually be more interested in and god I, I 
could you how much could you imagine using this technology that they've got for this but to give us frozen a Coriolis a Cobra a Sidewinder a Lance maybe a Crate uh, an Anaconda you know, possibly the old school ones because um, obviously you know it's still just ice you can't have it too fine I'd imagine you know, I don't know how, how fine the details can be but could you imagine if you could do that and then you can actually have frozen spaceships as your as your ice I was I was there thinking, right, that's an idea to solve the model problem that I've got for the Elite Dangerous Miniatures. We have some frozen <laughs> models and we've just got to play the game before the models melt. Yeah. Now uh, and obviously, you know, you that could branch into other other things as well. You know, you got your Star Wars ones, <laughs> Battlestar ones, um, maybe classic cars. Yeah, you can go off and do some micro machine dice or something. Well, I'll take this moment and welcome Commander Yannick himself. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Would you like to explain to everybody about the Apollo 11 reunion you've got planned? Okay. um, A few of you, I'm sure, will remember last year's Apollo 11 50th anniversary expedition. Uh, It turned out to be the third biggest expedition in the game's history behind the uh, Distant Worlds 1 and 2. So it was pretty well known. And this is basically the sort of one year plus reunion of that for anyone who took part uh, can turn up and uh, have a jolly good time, really. And this will be happening in the Pomesh system and it'll be happening uh, this Saturday. Cool. (laughs) Short and sweet. (laughs) Yep. So it'll be 1900 in game time and we're not going to announce the landing zone until uh, the day itself because no one likes to do it in the dark if they possibly can, you know. Guys, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. he's not going unless Buzz Aldrin can be there. Oh, that's a tough one. I try to get Buzz involved. In the face. <laughs> no, it's that's a good ambition to have. <laughs> It'd be awesome, actually. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I'd love can't that see it happening. I'd love to get one of the old school <laughs> astronauts and get them into one of the VR headsets and see what their reaction is to take him around both the moon and then Saturn. I think someone's mm-hmm. done that actually already. I try and which astronaut it was. Definitely one of the Apollo era astronauts. They did actually do like the VR Apollo experience with the Apollo 11 landing. It was one of the lesser ones. It wasn't one of the famous ones. I'm trying to think who it might have been. Um, Hell, there's been like what, 17 people or something like that have been on the moon. 12, and just yeah. saying, is it 12? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just saying one of the lesser, the, the lesser people out of 12. I think no. this was actually like the Apollo 8 command module pilot, so he didn't actually walk on the moon, he just got to fly around the moon. But that's pretty good, though. Yeah. It's still pretty cool. <laughs> actually, there, there was quite an interesting, talking of simulators, they, if you look on Curious Mark's channel on YouTube, uh, one, the, one big long series they did was the restoration of an, an actual Apollo guidance computer. So they had the full AGC. They got the... They they got it up and they 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 actually got the whole thing up and working and they interfaced it. They built a physical interface to connect it to a I can't remember what the simulator orbiter I think it was. 
But anyway, they, they got it connected to a spaceflight simulator, which simulated the Apollo 11 capsule and the limb and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they actually flew the Apollo 11 landing in the simulator using a real Apollo AGC to provide the guidance and all the other stuff. So the, the AGC was actually getting all the inputs it would have had it been actually in space doing the mission, but from the simulator. And, and they, they actually have this demo in front of a bunch of, uh, at, I think they had the NASA engineers who wrote the software and designed the hardware of this thing. Um, they had an interview with those guys, but they demonstrate it in front of a room full of people. They've got a video of this, and if if you're not seeing it, it's, it's if if you're in if you're in if you're into the technology of Apollo, that's it. that's definitely a series to watch. The channel's called Curious Mark M A R C, and he's, he's got a bunch of other vintage computing stuff. But the the, the Apollo Eleven restoration is probably the it's probably the most watched. For well, for as you can imagine, because uh, it's probably the most historically significant there. But yeah, the it, it was it was it was it was quite interesting to see them use a real AGC to to actually fly a mission, but with a simulator, of course. Apparently, uh, we were getting told by the chat um, that it was not a lesser guy; it was Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> Basically, second guy. I'm sure Bill Anders did it as well. Actually, maybe it's both of them. But well, I saw, I'm pretty sure it was Bill Anders that I saw. But maybe Buzz Aldrin did it too. You could well be right. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because the- he, you know, he was like the fu- well, he's been the furthest away from Earth of all humans, hasn't he? Um, Michael Collins actually passed away, hasn't he? And let me see, who owns the record for that? It's not actually any of the obvious ones. It is one of the CMPs, though, you're right. It's one of the command module pilots who has, like, the furthest away from from the Earth sort of record. Apollo 11, they went furthest, they went f- uh, furthest away by themselves or something like that. I think it might actually be, it's either John Young on Apollo 10, where they didn't land on that one, but they still use the uh, lunar module yeah. so in orbit. And the other one, obviously, I think, I think it might actually be, um, what's his name from Apollo 14? Um, i trying to remember the guy's name for a second. I do know this. <laughs> oh, or could, could, it have been the, could it have been the Apollo 13 crew with um, Jim Lovell in it? Because they, yeah. they, uh, they had to do some, well, for obvious reasons, they had to do some out-of-the-book out of piloting in order to get Oh, that. definitely. So, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that from the Apollo 13 movie. Uh, spoiler, it's definitely the most unconventional, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty accurate movie overall. It's not perfectly so, but like for like Hollywood standards, it's like on the money. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, by the way, talking of Apollo 10, there was a lot of speculation that the AGC in Apollo 10 didn't have the codes to actually do the whole mission, including landing, because they, they, didn't, they didn't land out of Apollo 10. I don't think they yeah. put enough fuel in the, the limb to do it. So, uh, so they would be tempted to do it. Uh, but they actually yeah. put, they, uh, the, the guys on Curious Mark's channel, they actually got the full source code listing, and they built the Apollo 10, the software that flew with Apollo 10. And yes, it, w- it, did have this, it did have the code in there to do the full landing. They had the, the, Everything was in there for the mission. Yeah. But it makes sense that way, because the whole not point not was... Not petrol. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, otherwise it wouldn't have made it a valid test that they hadn't gone with it, literally the, the full lem with all the software yeah. in it. Because having, you know, a test software you're not carrying. 
Yeah, well, that is an interesting thought. So, how tempted would you be if you knew <laughs> that the next mission was supposed to land, but you had the fuel to do it? Would you? But that's try? why they short fueled it. They knew they would try it if they didn't short fuel, and that's why they did it. Wasn't it? <laughs> they all admitted they would have done it. Both of those guys admitted openly. I mean, I mean, I've read G. Sernan's book about four times, and he definitely admits that they were going to do it if they hadn't been stopped. <laughs> uh, I, I always, um, I always felt a bit sorry for Buzz, uh, Buzz Aldrin, because basically, I, I think there was an unspoken rule that he was going to be the first man out, but Neil Armstrong changed his mind. Uh, I think it's purely to do with the hatch, actually. It's nothing to do with any of the reasons that you may be alluding to. It is purely the fact where the LMP sits is on the right-hand side, the commander sits on the left, and the hatch is on the left. So, you know, you have to, it's physically impossible for the Buzz to have got over him in the first place with a full pack on. You see what I mean? So I think, yeah. I think Buzz wanted to be the first man on the moon. Unsurprisingly, anyone would. But no, it was never going to be anything other than the practical reasons for that. Because I think Buzz was trying to argue that because on Gemini, the commander was one who stayed behind and the other guy did the spacewalk. And yeah. so that's why his argument was the first person to be out shouldn't be the commander. But it didn't work just for practical reasons. On the other hand, he did get a cool character named after him in Toy Story. <laughs> well, yeah. He's truly yeah. immortal now because of that. <laughs> and, of course, uh, thumping that idiot as well. Oh, oh. Well, definitely. That's definitely a service to science. This doesn't know real prize for that, just with the bat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't use a bat. He used his fist, which is even better. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we must admit that, actually, um, this evening, Elite Dangerous has actually tweeted um, uh, about Odyssey, uh, sharing that you will be able to experience that Neil Armstrong moment as you step onto planets. Um, it does seem that... Um, uh, it's getting quite a lot of response on Twitter at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, most so, of them being, tell us more about when the bloody, um, the, oh, the blooming interior things are going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I was right. It is Apollo 13 that went the furthest. Um, yeah, yeah, that does make sense. They were approximately 400,171 kilometers from Earth. <laughs> yes. So, well, we're just glad they got back, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And, right. Um, well, just moving on, um, we're going to put out our own community question. Um, we'd like to actually know what people, if what ideas people would have to improve uh, community goals, uh, you know, to, to, to deal with some of the problems or some of the issues that have been raised in the last couple, uh, by the last couple. Uh, so uh, we'll be putting that out on all our social media. So if you wish to reply to that, feel free. Now, has anybody else got any other business they'd like to just quickly touch on before we close out the show? I think I'm good this week. Yeah, not for me this week. Excellent. Well, in that case, um, we'll give out our usual shout-outs. So, number one, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio. It broadcasts on a Thursday at 8.30 British Summertime. You can tune in at tv.forthemug.com, or if you just want to listen to them, that's at radio.forthemug.com. 
for the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action, please go to the CQC Discord at discord.me slash Elite Dangerous CQC. And there are still games in progress even as I speak. Uh, so if you are wanting a little bit of just pew pew, best way to go. Um, for thanks to the, all those who have chipped in on the Twitch chat, on the YouTube chat, on the Discord, and and on Facebook. So um, I think this is working out quite well. <laughs> also, can I just give a shout out also to Mac and Commander Miggles who have joined me in game as well. Oh, excellent! That's that's. I keep on forgetting to ask who if anybody's actually joined you, Ben, because. We used to have a huge posse just turn up, but... Uh... And, and we briefly saw a commander, looking at my history, uh, a commander Ohio demon in Lave. Ooh, fantastic name. And of course, following this, we have the fantastic Galactic News Digest brought to you by Commander Witherspoon. So that is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up on facebook.com slash laveradio or tweet us at laveradio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Warning, you will be sharing this with Hutton truckers, so have your air freshener ready. Um, do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 British Summertime and is streamed out on laveradio.com. So, thanks to Yamik. Oh, hang on a second before I, I, I go off. Um, ben, you have a quick emergency announcement. I did actually ask Monsieur Zen to come and say this, but he hasn't. He's saying that apparently the, the Dark Wheel is pending expansion out of... 5455 as of yesterday. Uh, and also, they are due to be joining us in Lave imminently. Dun, dun, they, dun. they are. The, the, the idea is that they, there is one non native Lave faction here. Um, and that's the faction that they're going to hopefully get involved and kick them out, down, keep them down the bottom. Um, and then kick them out, and then they'll come in down bottom and see what happens after that, I guess. Well, interesting times. Interesting yep. times. So, with that, on that note, we will thank our, our panellists, which, of course, is uh, Commander Edla Weiss, uh, Commander Shan, uh, Mac Winston, and our late arrival, Commander Yak. And special thanks goes to today's tech specialist, that's our own Tech Lima Commander Hatter. So until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
22nd of September 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, murder most peculiar. Knocking the goal out of the park. Who ordered Halsey's murder? A shining light for Evelyn. Murder most peculiar. The death of Prince Harold Duval at the hands of militant Republicans raises many questions, chief amongst which is why assassinate Harold? If ever there was a walking advertisement for the benefits of Republicanism, that advertisement was surely Prince Harold. Interested only in partying his life away, his daughter, Princess Ashling, was something of an accident. Ashling's mother, exotic entertainer Imogen Eccentrica Gabriellini, died shortly after Ashling's birth of a drug overdose. Disowned by his father, the Emperor, passed over for the top job and suffering from gout as well as several other diseases of a personal nature, Prince Harold had been living quietly in Achenar, causing trouble to nobody other than his personal slaves. Harold is a Duval, certainly but by far the least significant. If the Republican terrorists wanted to be taken seriously, they should be targeting Emperor Arissa, or, failing her, Senator Petraeus, Zemina Torval, or Princess Ashling herself. Killing Harold makes the neo-Marlinist extremists look at best like second-rate terrorists, only able to pick off low-value targets. Of course, Harold was only vulnerable to attack because he was rushing to his daughter's side in the wake of the attacks on four starports, one of which was Mackenzie Relay and Semies. No one could have anticipated this move except for someone close to Harold or to Princess Ashling. Could Princess Ashling herself have betrayed her father? Could the Neo-Marlinists be other than they seem? Perhaps they're not Republicans at all, but are working for the pretender to the imperial throne, Hadrian Duval. Something doesn't quite add up in the affair of Harold the Mad and the Burning Stations. Knocking the goal out of the park. (laughs) 
support from owners of fleet carriers keen to have more easy places to refuel their behemoths has resulted in the Brewer appeal ending early. The fleet carrier manufacturer and architect of the Coriolis Starport was sponsoring two smaller companies, Steel Castle and Kavanagh, each to upgrade five refinery outposts to starports to make refuelling easier. Steel Castle's appeal for building materials finished after only two days, while Kavanagh's quest took a further day to complete. Delivery to Kavanagh was impacted by the limit of the number of fleet carriers allowed in the system at once, coupled with the long supercruise distance to the delivery depot. The limit on the number of fleet carriers in one system is also an issue for those helping with the rescues at the four damaged Imperial starports. Kavanagh, which finished second, has been granted authority to upgrade the first five outposts on the list to Orbis starports. Steel Castle will upgrade the remaining five as Coriolis starports. All ten starports will be in position and ready to supply tritium on Thursday, the 1st of October. Who ordered Halsey's murder? Uh, Chief Technician Rory Webster was a department head of engineering for Starship One. Testimonies from members of Mr. Webster's team claim that he ordered unauthorised adjustments to the ship's hyperdrive systems while in uh, dry dock shortly before its launch in May 3301 and subsequent destruction. This case is now being brought before the Federal High Court, where Mr. Webster will stand trial for mass murder and attempted treason. The words of Melandu Okuru of the Federal Attorney's Office speaking last week. As we wait for Rory Webster to be brought before the Federal High Court, we can only speculate why he tampered with the hyperdrives of Starship One way back in 3301. Whoever wanted President Hudson killed, it wasn't Rory Webster, a relatively minor technical lead in the Federal Navy. Destroying a starship of the presidential flight with hundreds of federal officials on board is big league stuff. This wasn't a disgruntled voter, and if, as the inquiry has found, it wasn't an accident, then someone pretty high up must have arranged the sabotage. Is there a trail of breadcrumbs to that person? Will we find out who they were and what their motivation was? Will Rory Webster speak out? Or will presidents in high places ensure he's silenced before he gets the chance? A shining light for Evelyn. Sometime back, scribbling Senator Drew Wagar wrote the story of Evelyn Fay Roy, Commander Jello Wiggler's daughter. A memorial to Evelyn, called Evelyn's Light, has been created. So now you can listen to the story and visit the location where the story happened. In other news, Senator Wegar is off on another galaxy tour, this time looking at astronomy. The tour starts on Thursday the 1st of October in the Sol system, looking at the nine traditional planets of that system and their moons. Future episodes will visit nearby stars, the Plough, Lyrae, Cygnus and Aquila, Taurus, Orion and Nebulae. If you would like to join Commander Drew Wegar on his tour, Sign up now. 
And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. 